1: where we talk each week about the transformations that can come from loss. Today, I'm welcoming Meg Nacero. Meg's a former Department of Homeland Security attorney. After 19 years of federal government service, she resigned to pursue her dream as a writer, inspirational speaker, success coach, and attorney for justice. Nassero holds a BA in Spanish, with a concentration in Italian, an MA in international affairs and a JD. She's a member of the Florida Bar, serves on the wellness committee of the American Immigration Lawyers Association, and holds certifications as a federal law enforcement training center instructor, a professional coach, and as an associate certified coach. She has a certificate in happiness studies through Harvard, and uh, the, the Dr. Tal Ben-Shahar's Happiness Studies Academy and a Certificate for the Science of Well-Being from Yale. In addition to being named Ms. CEO Entrepreneur of the Year in 2019, she appeared on CNN Español with Ishma- Ishmael Kala and hosts her own YouTube channel and a podcast called Manifesting with Meg, Conversations with Extraordinary People. Welcome, Meg.
2: Hi, thank you so much. I am so excited to talk to you. I, I, I've i been looking forward to this. So wonderful.
1: It's really good to have you, and thank you for your book. Um, I always read the book, and I read your book. And it was – what I appreciated especially is you didn't skip any parts of this transformation thing um, because oh, I don't know anyone no. who <laughs> skips right to transformation, right? There's a lot of stuff that no. comes before that for all – For everyone I've ever met. And uh, so I appreciated that you didn't, you didn't uh, skip past any of it. You know,
2: it was really important for me to tell the story in a way that allowed others to understand that everything that you're going through is actually perfect. (laughs) Exactly where you are, right? You are exactly where you're meant to be at every point in the process. And with the transformation, you've got to go through the really challenging times to get the benefits from that, at least at one point, so that you can look back and say, wow, how far have I come now? So that's, yeah, that was really my intention with regard abs- to sharing my abs- story.
1: Absolutely. But let's start at the beginning, which, which is, you know, um, you were one of those people who kind of fits the profile of highly successful and you know married two young children good relationship with your family career the whole the whole works right maybe you could share with yeah maybe you can share with listeners what dropped into the middle of that life you were living
2: yeah, I checked all the boxes off, put, put it that way. You know, um, uh, if you're like a planner, like we were talking out at the outside, a type A personality, you know, you have goals, but my mother passed away in April of 2011 and I never anticipated, you know, I, I know, you know, it's out there, you know, we have, our parents are getting older and, you know, that is something that, you know, we face that my mother was only 65 years old when she was diagnosed with breast cancer. So it really was a shock. To me and our whole family and and really put everything into perspective and, and really had me looking at my life in a very different way as if, you know, there is a dash, but there's always a beginning and an end. And certainly when she passed away, seeing her take her final breath, which I had the privilege of doing, it, it was not necessarily um, for me uh, a, a wonderful experience, but I do feel that, you know, when someone if you're by someone's bedside at the end, it's a privilege and an honor to, to be with them. Um, I, I really felt like the, the bottom fell out, like that rock bottom. It really was coming and it came quick for me. So it was a challenge for sure.
1: Absolutely. And uh, I think I've lost my sound. Hold on just for a second. Um... <laughs> I can hear you. <laughs> you can hear me. Okay, great. Um, yeah. So, you know, in my, in my mind, um, the shock is we, we're, we're just not really trained, are we, in grief? Uh, it's one thing well, to know that, that death will come, but then to be trained in grief can be somewhat of a different thing.
2: You know, as human beings, I don't think that we're necessarily trained (laughs) in a lot of things. And then when they come up, it's something you just face. It's kind of like when you're having a baby and they hand you the baby and you're just like, what do I do? What do I do now? Right. You have to figure it out as you go through it. However, you know, when when it knocks you to the floor, so to speak, and it puts you, you know, takes the wind out of you it's kind of like, where do I begin? Like, where do I begin to start digging myself out of this hole, you know, this experience? And, and I think that goes for grief in any type of situations because, you know, we all face certain things that are significant sadness and loss. And, and to start from that place to, you know, turn it around in our lives and learn from it rather than just get, you know, get through it is one thing, but to actually take the lessons of that process and show up at the other side with that to benefit you as you go forward in your life and to, like, basically, you know, in, in, to strengthen you from a, from a place of where, you know, you're stronger at the broken part really is the challenge, especially when, you know, you never had to have faced something like that before. So, yes, I agree. Absolutely. We're not trained. There's no manual, but I do believe that when we share our stories and we show up in... You know, service to others. You know, from a place of, you know, how can I help you? How can I get you through it too? When we ask for the help, things start to change for sure. Mm.
1: One of your one of your chapter titles is "Hello, Darkness, My New Friend," um, which which really stood out because those moments um, when 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 something clobbers you, you know, the feelings of grief are not new, but the volume is so different um we've we've most people have had moments of sadness or anger or fear or you know whatever it might be but not at that volume not to the point where you just can't ignore it and it and it feels as if it's taking you down um yeah and i i could imagine you as a person who is very good at kind of climbing back up and going on (laughs) uh it takes a lot i i have a, a close young person in my life who got through law school a couple of years ago, that took a lot of determination, right? And forward motion. Right. And so I'm assuming you did have a lot of that.
2: Well, it's a lot of, you know, turning off the naysaying of your own sabotaging behavior. You know, I'm going to get through this. I'm going to do this. You know, in law school, because you're specifically referring to that, you know, they try to break you down to, to build you up and thinking in a different way and, and have you analytically and uh, taking on... Certain experiences and cases, and I think the same thing. Kind of, it's an interesting analogy that you just mentioned. You know, I think you know when you have gone through that before and uh, you you face like the bar exam or some big exam in your life, and you've passed it and you've moved on. You know, it does make you stronger. But I think that when you turn around and someone that you love so deeply, so profoundly, is no longer there, and it becomes a reality you know, shift in your paradigm as to what you, what you really have relied on so much in your life and then turning around and saying, Oh my God, I'm on my own, so to speak. You know, that person who is that strength, that force, that, you know, really solid, you know, cornerstone or foundational, you know, is no longer there. And then what you, what do you do next? And I, and I, and yeah, you're right. I, I, I've pulled myself through a lot of big challenges in my life and, and, You know, for me, it didn't have the same impact or significance as losing someone I loved like my mother. And I think that, I think more and more when I'm talking to more and more people about the whole grieving process and what went through it, I can tell you this, one of the greatest gifts of my whole experience is that I've chosen to be vulnerable to what I actually went through and my authenticity that I, I was not you know, stalwart. I was not strong. I was not. I fell literally <laughs> apart. And, and, and it, you know, it, it would have caused me a lot of shame had I not been desperate just to make it through. So, you know, I didn't even, the shame didn't even come up. It was
1: like, how am I going to come out of <laughs> how stronger fortunate for you stronger? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, because um, shame is something that a lot of people do struggle with in grief. Um, this shouldn't be happening. What's wrong with me that I feel so bad? You know, that is definitely a part of grief. And I, I believe part of it comes out of the fact that uh, other struggles seem more fixable. Uh, yes, you know, yes. death is not fixable. It it must yes. be experienced. It must be gone through. And um, you, you can't say, okay, what do I do next to... Make this right again. You just have to keep moving forward. Yes, absolutely. And and, and I think that
2: <laughs> that level of shame just makes it a little harder. <laughs> you know, I think I, I think <laughs> sure. I, you know, I think maybe I started feeling that after a little while, after even just like telling you that I was in my closet, just couldn't pull myself out, except for the fact that I, I had duties and obligations to my family to go to work every day and not not just to dial, not just to just like just give up on everything. I just felt like if I had some like that routine, that consistency, if that stayed with me, that at least I could numbly, because it was a numb, numb experience, you know, to, to show up for that and then go back and then, you know, face my, I, I would, I don't want to say demons per se, but yeah, because all of those lesser than feelings, all of my flaws came out again without her there. It it was just it was it was it was quite surreal in many respects because you know the person I would go to uh, to work out what I was going through wasn't there to go to any long, longer. So I yes. had to figure out how I was going to face the next chapter, you know, hello darkness my new friend. You know, they say we all have a dark night of the soul. We all face those moments in our lives where it feels particularly, you know, you know, black or, or you just can't see the light. And when we're there, one of the biggest gifts that you can receive is someone, you know, not letting you stay without the hope that there is a possibility for a new experience on the other end of that. And, you know, if, if I am being honest, which I try to be, because I think it's really important, especially in light of What, you know, a lot of people have gone through these last couple of years is that if I show you how I walked through it and clearly messy, (laughs) clearly tears, clearly, you know, not showing up as the, I guess, the Instagram photo online, you know, that where everything's perfect and everything, you assume that in another person's life, but that just, it was just a, a chaotic mess at times where my own personal relationships were struggling because they were used to me being strong and
1: I wasn't. Right. You, you were defying their expectations of you at that moment. And, and also, you know, uh, I, over the last several years, I've come to a different understanding than I used to have about that phrase, a dark night of the soul. It isn't just Mm -hmm. a bad time. It's a bad time where the things you've always relied on don't help you. And you, Mm -hmm. and you actually have to, learn some new things, <laughs> you know, that resonates with me as a way to look at it.
2: I, I think it's beautiful, actually. It, it really is. It's kind of like that, you know, everyone wants to, if you're not growing, you're dying. So if we're learning new things, we're actually adding more to our, I, I use this term loosely, arsenal of what we can go to, like the things that work for us. Like, And I and I say this because I'm a, I'm a lawyer. It's The evidence will show as I go on and move on in life. That you know maybe I face another moment in time where I experience you know profound grief, but I have new tools that I can use to to lean on, embracing still that that humanness, that compassion for self so I think it 's been quite a spiritual awakening journey for me, and I think that i'm i 'm grateful to have you know come out the other side, certainly you know I have, I have my battle scars, but at the same time. Um, I, I do believe that I'm understanding my, my mother's experience with me in a different light that's more profound and more enlightening, if, I, if, that, if you can understand that.
1: Oh, I have no trouble understanding that. Uh, you know, Obviously, I didn't come to grief work through my mother dying. It was a partner. But when yeah. my mother died, uh, and this is still in process, my understanding of her and our relationship keeps changing. You know, the, mm. the evolution of that relationship is not over. <laughs> so there's that yeah. too. Um, that yeah, that we to different understandings as we go forward, don't we? Yeah, I I think it's good.
2: It's really good. It, we 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 need to expand our understanding of the world by virtue of the different experiences we go through and the different perspectives that are enhanced. And sometimes. Those things that we rely on for so long we we let them go because it no longer bears the the fruit that aligns with our life and and i and i'm not as much of a you know this is the way it has to be, this is the way it is I, i'm more like, okay, so you showed me something different, so now I can use that to benefit my life as well and i and I try to be you know more open minded and curious rather than you know. No, this is the way it's going to be. That's the way it is and And I will say this to your point with regard to your mother, God, what an incredible amount of compassion and understanding that I have you know on this end of of that when I look back and, and I experience her as a beautiful light, and what a gift she was to me so you know, it, daughter, daughter, mother, daughter relationships have a lot of wonderful things as well as very challenging things as well. You know, really? we we try to make our own way. You know, despite their wanting to have us follow a certain path, and I think um, a lot of the the gifts of her life and to to me were a work in progress as well over time and still impactful even though she's no longer here.
1: I totally understand that. Uh, You know, it's just a couple of minutes before the break, but this is something that's a little bit in the background of what we're talking about that I really want to focus some energy on, which is that there are things that actually do help grief, from my view as a a grief counselor, and things that make it much harder. And Mm -hmm. I would say that your... The kind of work you were doing and the demands of doing that sort of work and having young children uh, when your mother died left, I'm guessing, way too little room for grief. And I'd really like to talk about mm-hmm. that. I also think you, you, at that time, were working in a pretty traumatic field. Immigration mm-hmm. yeah. has a lot of yeah. trauma. In it. And that yeah. also, I would think, would have turned up the volume. So when we get back from the break, can you share some about that aspect?
2: Oh, absolutely. Absolutely.
1: Listeners, you can find links to my website and social media at the Good Grief page at Voice America. And to find Meg Nacero, you can go to it's com. Yes? That's correct. Yep. That's it. Yeah n-o-c-e-r-o dot com be back soon
3: resiliency within can be heard every monday at 1 p.m pacific time and 4 p.m eastern time on the voice america health and wellness channel
2: be sure to like the voice america health and wellness channel on facebook you'll find great health tips from the experts find out more about your favorite shows and talk back to our team search voice america health or click the like button under the player today
1: this is good grief host cheryl jones whether you're in grief, crisis, deep loss, or transition, working with the right therapist can move you forward like nothing else. That's why I'm happy to be sponsoring BetterHelp. Their user-friendly platform connects you with a therapist uniquely suited to support you. If you want to know more, follow the link on my host page or go to betterhelp.com goodgrief. That's betterhelp.com com slash good grief and receive a ten percent discount for the first month. the author of Butterfly Awakens. And Meg, before the break, I was just, just beginning to dive into the things that really do impact um, our ability to support ourselves in grief. You know, pe- people ask me uh, as a grief counselor, they'll say, oh, does that make it easier for you when you have a loss? Which always makes me laugh. But there is one way in which it it does make it easier. I I know I have to do it and I make room for it. You know, I make space for it. I I pay attention to it, right? Um, So I don't have to go through that resistance process of trying to get out of it. I know I can't, right? Yeah. So, you know, when your mother died, (laughs) when, when your mother died, it seemed to me that your life at that point had so many extraordinary demands uh, on you, your energy, your time, your focus. And I wondered if you think that actually affected your grief experience in any way.
2: Yeah, I, I love that question. And I'll tell you the truth. I, You know, by asking that question, I feel very seen and heard right now because but the question is really on point. My world was so incredibly full and I'm not necessarily full of only great things, you know, full of everything. It was full. And in the matter of fact that I was, uh, in, I, I was an immigration attorney. I was listening to cases on the daily about people who were being persecuted in asylum cases that, you know, they were fleeing their country because their families were, you know, being threatened, et cetera. And I don't care whether it's real or not real, you're listening to that. You're listening to that information, so you're processing it. And, you know, the mind can perceive so many wonderful things and also so many negative things as well. If you're hearing that over and over again, it's very challenging. And I will tell you this, I I do believe that, you know, exactly what you said, I didn't have, it's kind of like, it's like they say, if your time is spent 60% and then 40% downtime so you can at least process everything, then you might do better. But if it's 100% uptime and there's no downtime so that something happens and you don't have the wiggle room to recover, then all hell breaks loose, literally, because there, there's no compassion, no, no room for, for error. There's no room for error. It's 100% or nothing, which is never a great way to live your life. It's not compassionate for yourself. It's, it's filled with judgments because you used to be able to do something like that, and now you can't, and the focus becomes more so on what's wrong with me, what's mm-hmm. wrong with me. And, 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 and I do believe that that makes grief worse. <laughs> I know it does. I know it does because our nervous systems only can handle So much. And for me, the anxiety took over because that's what our fear of the future of what's going to happen. My anxiety was plugging in as if it were realistic now as to what's happening. I had a terrible fear of death myself because I really did believe when she was alive that it was somehow I had to protect her there. And mm-hmm. that was my understanding. I, I, and, and it was gone. And I was like, oh, my God, I am the one. I, got this, you know, I am the one who has to be my protector or, or speak up for myself. And really, the breakdown, the fall apart, all of that, and the consequential, you know, my body did start speaking louder. <laughs> you know, I, I acquired tinnitus. It was a loud screaming in my head, insomnia. That's yeah, such a that perfect meta- meta- metaphor
1: for what we're talking about, isn't it? Yeah, it is, absolutely.
2: It literally woke me, like, wake up, do something, say something, speak up for yourself. Meanwhile, I was always the kid that if I do the right thing, then I'll be recognized. If I do the right thing, then I'll do the things in life that um, will come back to me with the, you're okay. You're, the approval, the external approval, external to myself. And Hmm. her death was the first segue into me really speaking up for the who I am and what I needed at that point in time. Because otherwise... You just have thrown everyone around you for a loop. Oh, big time, big time, big time loop. And in fact, you know, they were used to me doing everything. They were used to me, you know, showing up taking care of my kids. My daughter was two. My my son was, was eight. You know, I was dealing with a full-time professional job. You know, it, it was, I had responsibilities. It was quite a shock because I kept hoping that I could do it all, but the grief had to be handled. And like you said, you cannot run from that. It, it will <laughs> come find you wherever to get you go. Oh, of- there you are oh, so- with it.
1: Some people do, do you know, avoid it with drugs, alcohol, whatever, but that just kind of gangs up on you ultimately. There was a line in your you book know, that think- really stood out that connects with this, which you said, um, at, this is much later, obviously, but you said, I had a choice. I could either quit my job or or let go of my marriage, which to have that kind of clarity about it (laughs) because of course when you don't have space to grieve, it does affect relationships. Um, It does make things harder, but that must've been tough because on the other hand, your job was supporting your family. Um, So I could imagine there was, there was, it took a while to figure out which was the right (laughs) direction there.
2: You know, I think there was some kind of sentiment going on that, she's going to get it together. She'll figure it out. And she won't, she won't do something that's going to force me to change my, my husband to change his life or, and, and mind you, I was like, uh, I, I have no Like, I felt like I had no support. I felt like I had to figure out things on my own. And I, and I was really not happy about that. I, I was not happy about that, but I love my, my husband. And I felt like if I didn't draw a line in the sand at a certain point, I would lose myself. And you're going to make me cry. (laughs) And and just to think about what could have been had I not spoken my truth and said, I need to do something differently. I cannot continue to do the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. I need to do something to at least have a chance in my life to live the life I want and experience the you know, the relationships I want in a different caliber, a different scale. Because for me, I was, I saw what I had and I saw a lot of doors closing all around me. And it was like my ego, thank God, thank God it was healthy to a certain extent. Because I was like, oh no, oh no, no, no. I, I, I will speak up now. I will. And that's terrifying as well. You know, I didn't know what was going to happen when I did finally take a leap of faith and leave and left my, my job of 20 years. I did know that if I stayed, and I think I, I, I know I said this in the book, that there was no possibility of, of change, that it would be the same old. And, and I just said to myself, I just can't see the person that I am waking up, you know, 10 years into the future when I could retire, you know, what did I do? And also before my mother passed away, she said to me, you know, chronic stress is, is just that. It's not, it's not good for you. It's not healthy for you. And regrets are worse. Having yeah. regrets in life are worse. And that would be another form of grief, <laughs> that you had this life and you woke up at the end. And, and, you know, what did you do with this beautiful life you had? And, and I think that was the greatest gift she gave me.
1: You're reminding me of um, two of my greatest teachers in the grief world are Stephen and Andrea Le- Levine. And Andrea used to say, I have never met a person, and they did a hotline for, I don't know, a decade or so, uh, and she said, I have never met a person who got to the end of their life and said, I wish I had worked more. Ah, It's true. <laughs> oh, that's true. That's but true. it's that's a very true. it's a very delicate balance, isn't it? And yeah, you know, back is. to the thing about relationship, well, if you're disappearing, who is actually in that relationship? Then it can start feeling kind of like shadow boxing. Instead yeah. of, you know, two people really connected, uh, I don't know if that happened for you and your husband, but that I've seen that happen many times.
2: I I think that it it did however there were a lot of pressures on him as well and and i think that he felt that you know he engaged in a relationship where he knew that i was very independent i had a career i was very proud of being uh, a lawyer i was i worked really hard to get there and i wanted to see what i could do and and most importantly more importantly I was able to mentor a lot of wonderful law students. So I was, I was essentially a teacher as well. I was a clinical placement instructor for my, in my office. I hired interns for, for the 20 years I was there. So it was really one of the greatest gifts of my life, but I do pay attention to my life. And there was a point in time where that program that I loved more than anything that made me feel like I could wake up in the morning and go to work and that there I still had purpose there. They were taking it away from me. So. I just love, I just love how the universe closes doors, you know, maybe not when you're quite ready, but <laughs> it will, but they will close because we, we, we may go kicking go
1: and it. screaming,
2: right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, always. I will definitely in my life go kicking and screaming because I like to have the tantrums and then I'll step back and say, okay, what's the message here? But, you know, I'm a very Italian. I'm a very passionate Italian person. You know, I, I like a little like the, you know, the, the injustice of it all and, and, you know, for sure, there must be some, you know, actor in me as well. You know, the whole, I can't believe this is happening to me. And at the same time, I've really gone from, it's happening to me, then how is this happening for me? You know, trying to shift that perspective and that paradigm to, okay, well, what is the gift in all of this? And literally going through it, when you're going through it, there's no, there's no me looking
1: at there's the no gift There's no gift. The or, thing is, You know, there's no gift. Right. <laughs> the happening's not a gift, is it? But what you make of it sure is. <laughs> Absolutely. You, know, but, you know, the,
2: the happening is definitely is not a gift. When you look back in time at what happened and what has it led to and the doors that are opening, and I still use that still with regard to all the things that are happening in my life now, I keep saying, well, you know, where would I, wa- where would I rather be than where I am right now? I, I, I can't, I, I'm, I'm very, very... Grateful and and I and I love that the November month for me is the month of gratitude. I'm grateful that I did not sit where I was and just give up on myself because what a shame that would be for myself as well as my children or anyone who was maybe watching me or I, I touched in their in their lives. I you never know what kind of impact you have on another person and certainly. You, by going into the whole grief therapy, you know, you must impact so many people on a daily basis by virtue of the reasons why, your why of going into it are really strong. So if I understand more clearly my why, then I can look back on the what happened and say, wow, you know, I I, I wouldn't be where I am today had this not happened exactly the way it did. And... I would do anything for my mother to come back. Obviously, I, I you know I miss her de- desperately still. I mean, I, everyone who goes through grief, the holidays are hard, the birthdays are hard. You know, every time you see someone else enjoying their parent, and and you wish you could at least share those experiences with your your significant others, it just leaves sometimes a hollowness there. But what I will say is when I can see the other side as well, the contrast of life and say, wow, she's still with me and she's still experiencing this and how proud would she be that I didn't give up on myself? Mm-hmm. You know, that everything she taught me when she was alive, I take with me and I apply to my life so that I can hopefully make a difference in this world by, you know, sharing my story or, you know, listening in many respects.
1: Well, it it makes me think about... um something i i say a lot which is that um you haven't lost any everything when someone dies but you have lost something and and it's those yeah. things that relied on having two bodies right <laughs> yeah. there's just yeah. nothing that nothing that replaces that it's it's a thing unto itself it can't be replaced but you're talking about the fact that you still have Many aspects of that relationship with her uh that were not touched by the loss of a body right um that that's what oh. I hear and you know what, here's and- another thing I really want to talk about because um it's familiar to me and it and it's really uh it, it, notable. Which is that when people are in an extremity, I've I've experienced this when I work with people that get a cancer diagnosis, or you know, um, are left after a long marriage, you know, any kind of really really profound grief. It makes you desperate enough to try things you wouldn't try otherwise. And um, that is true. (laughs) To me, there's some way that you were just. Um, searching and searching and trying everything that drew you in any way um, to to see if you could get help to go forward, and that seemed like yeah. an experience in and of itself. Can you talk about that? Yeah. You know all of the healing modalities and you know body work I mean just so many things you tried yeah. Yeah, you know, I think I think it comes from
2: the need that we as humans experience the, the connectedness. I think that I needed to feel once again connected to my my body because I was having a lot of issues with anxiety and and depression, and also, you know, wanting to just numb out as well. So it was kind of like I was sitting in <laughs> I was sitting in one of these incredible conundrums, these riddles of life, where. I can't even feel, but my body was screaming so loud that it said, you have to pay attention to me. Right. I, I, but I didn't want to, to experience <laughs> it was just a
1: nuisance, it right. Interrupting you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
2: I was like, what is this? Right. What, why just leave me, leave me be, you know, leave me, but, but that is not the reality I experienced. So what I was trying to do because I had an actual, you know, physical uh, manifestation of the grief. It was, it, that's all I could say. It was just how my body was expressing grief. You know, no, there's nothing to be said about insomnia, either walking at, you know, in the, the early mornings of the night, not even able to sleep, not even having that opportunity to rest and, and let your body recharge because you're so charged otherwise, you know, you're, you're just like, ee! you know, it's like all every, all candles burning on both ends and, and there you are. So I, I literally had to go out and say I help me, you know, and and for me it did not resonate to take any like anti-anxieties or antidepressants. I didn't want to do that because I wanted to face what I was going through and understand that why. And and I and I resonated very strongly with um body talk and the psyche which was, you know, neural NET a lot of the Post traumatic um, therapists, they use a process where they do it's it's the tapping, it's the butterfly pose, where you actually, you know, like a baby, you hold a baby and you tap a baby, trying to calm a baby down. Well, you do it for yourself. You you start to you know calm yourself down by through tapping. That was very good for me. That I responded very well to that. Uh, Being outdoors and the by the ocean because I do live by the ocean. That was very. Grounding for me because I wasn't grounded. I, I was wanting to escape this
1: reality. I didn't want to be here, but you know, I was. I want to take many, many our time times. with this, Meg. I want to take our time okay. with this, and it's time for the second break. So let's come back to this because okay. you did tons of things, culminating in in your um, sojourn in in Spain, and yes. and um, so I, I really want to take a break and then come back and dive into that. Listeners, okay, you can perfect. go to my website, <laughs> weatheringgrief.com or the Good Grief host, host page. And to go to find Meg Nocero, you can go to Meg Nocero, that's megnocero.com. Back soon.
3: Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit facebook.com forward slash voice America Resiliency Within can be heard every Monday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel
1: diagnosed with breast cancer it's probably the
2: most frightening thing that's ever happened to her friends and family often don't know what to do for support not to mention the patient herself that's where breast friends cancer support network comes in your host is michelle Beck, a two-time breast cancer survivor and advocate she helps by providing inspiration information and most of all hope Tune in every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, 12 noon Eastern Time, on the Voice
1: America Health and Wellness Channel.
0: Opinions, Options, Answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. You are listening to Good Grief with Cheryl Jones. To reach Cheryl or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to Cheryl Jones at weatheringgrief.com. Now, back to good grief.
1: Welcome back. I'm your host, Cheryl Jones, and I've been talking with Meg Nacero, the author of Butterfly Awakens, and, and Meg... It, it occurs to me that at the beginning, you know, uh, in the earlier times after your mom died, it was, you know, how do I how do I get my body to work better? You know, all these in the moment disastrous kinds of feelings uh, that you were trying to address and experiences, the tinnitus, all of that. And then it seemed to me that over time there was a, a kind of an arc towards um. For one of a better word, a, um, a spiritual awakening, and an awakening of your soul or spirit in response to your loss, um, you know. I, I guess I would put your experience with um, with Oprah Winfrey in that category. You know, and yeah, yeah that, and that was <laughs> it was, and certainly, which you can tell the story in a second, and certainly um, your your journey in in spain had all of the feelings of that kind of experience so can you talk some is that accurate first of all i know it's not a straight line but is that accurate to your experience that that there was kind of an evolution over time of what you were trying how you were trying it what worked in at various points
2: absolutely you're you're definitely on point when, one of the things that happened for me it was kind of like um I mean, we were talking before about that checklist of life. You know, you you come here. We are supposed to do certain things. You know, get married, have children. If that's part of your path, your your pattern. Um, and I did everything, and and I started playing in the whole, you know, spiritual. And it's interesting that we talk about this separately because we are spirits, right? They say, you know, Teilhard de Chardin says we're spiritual um, beings having a physical experience, right? So, I love that quote. so. Yeah, the the bottom line is that you know we can't separate. There's no dualistic. You know, you know, leave time for this only when that comes up because we, you know, wherever you go, like again, I said, wherever you go, there you are. So, for me, you know, it was do my job, have my kids, you know, and then this happened, and then I like, but is this what my life is screaming at me to say? Wake up, wake up, wake up, wake up to my story, wake up to my life. What is it calling to me? What is what is the purpose what is the meaning and i really started you know contemplating that you know really in a way that it was it it screamed out louder than everything else which you know when is for my for my particular family at first it was kind of jarring because i started looking into different spiritual you know tomes and different works and and I'm reading it voraciously like i have never I couldn't get enough. It was kind of like the the this this gateway opened when she left, and then I, and all of this knowledge and desire to become enlightened and elevated, started happening for me. So when I, you know, it was it's kind of like I, um, the whole experience of paying attention. you you know, the, or the synchronicities of the of the Jungian tradition, and and you know really seeing the different people who walk in and out of your life when, when say like you're, you're like a stage and you're, you're doing, you're performing a play and, and all these wonderful characters cross and you actually stop and ask the why I'm curious. I'm open. I want to understand what kind of impact are you going to have on my life? What questions do I need to ask that I can learn more from you, maybe for a reason, season or a lifetime. So I started looking at my life that way And it became much louder than just punching a clock in the morning, going to work, getting there, coming home and passing out. So yes, I will say the spiritual awakening overtook me and being on stage with Oprah Winfrey and how that actually came about. And if you can learn more about it in my book, Butterfly Awakens, but it really felt as if my mother was truly present with me on that stage. It was really surreal. I got the goosebumps. I got the excitement. I was in such gratitude. I felt her presence there and I felt like something that everyone would seemingly think as impossible, that it was happening for me to truly see or shine a light on a different direction that I needed to go in. So, of course, you know, when I decided to walk El Camino, at least at first, it was because of all the, the works of Paulo Coelho I would be reading, and, and and the mystical that happens in his stories and how... I was like, well, well, I want to see that too. I want to experience that too, and I, I will do something like that. And you know, I, I want to do something like that. I never imagined in a million years that I would be doing that. But the seeds were planted that a pilgrimage like that would help me shine light on perhaps a new way. And seeing Camino del de Santiago. Is the way they say the way the truth the light whatever you know spiritual you know tome or you know religious bench you you follow. I wanted to have a moment to tie myself back to that spirit inside me, that heart that's full of love, and and figure out how strong I was and where I wanted to go on this journey by being truly present in the moment, and especially when I walked the Camino, that was. That was a real eye-opener. I didn't know what to expect. And the people who showed up on the journey as well, I didn't know what to expect from that as well. So it really was, uh, like you're saying, the spiritual awakening from that was, you know, the wake-up call from from what happened as a loss in my life to, you know, and really I, focusing on what I wanted to gain.
1: I, and, and one thing that stands out, and... Um... You know, I really want to hear your perspective on this. So I consider, you know, the kind of demanding law career you had and all that is very um, driven. You have to be fully prepared all the time. There's tons of detail, you know, and it really struck me that that journey you did not undertake in that way. You, you said, this is something I need to do. You set everything out, but you didn't like do a marathon training program for a year or you just showed up. And um, to me, those are the really incredible moments in life where you, where you don't just do a different thing. You do a thing differently. And it did seem that way to me. Does that resonate with you? Oh, my
2: God. I just got a huge aha from you. <laughs> I, you know, that, I never even thought about it that way, to be quite honest with you. But what I did think about is if I overthought this, if I overprepared for this, I was not going to go. I, and also, the fact of the matter is even when I tried to, I pulled my back out. I couldn't even walk, let alone your body helped miles. you out, quote unquote. Yeah. Huh? <laughs> yeah, I would say very painfully, right? It, it helps me out, so I, I do believe that in some points of our lives, to see what we're made of, those leap of faith call to us. I, 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 I am a very prepared person. I, I feel like it's important to, to show up in your life, you know, with the tools. I think as well, and I think that that's how I approach the whole you know, healing from the grief, but I find that there are points in time where you do what you can be still and allow other things to happen. And, and that has been the biggest learning lesson, because if I can't control the narrative, I, I, it's a very scary place to be for someone who is so used to, you know, keeping uh, a tight rein. I was a prosecutor. I knew if I could cut into certain stories in a certain way by listening to body language, there's actually, you know, watching it and how people talk and like finding the whole of the story, I could get to the truth. Here, I was looking for a different kind of truth. I was looking for something that was more mystical. And I was looking for, and I have to say it, I was looking for the magic of our being alive. And uh, I needed to feel that because for me, having left all of it behind me and on the table, I walked away. My ego was, I mean, believe me, it was very challenging to leave a career for 20 years and have to re, you know, discover, recreate who you are. That's, it's, it's very demoralizing at certain points in time. And I'll be honest, it was not easy. That was very hard, but I was desperate. It was a desperation of sorts. I was desperate to fully come alive to my own authenticity. And I knew I couldn't do it there.
1: Uh, Another teacher of mine used to say, we agree not to feel too good as long as we feel the same bad. (laughs) (laughs) That that we'll tolerate bad as long as it's not too bad, right? And so being brave enough to say, not too bad isn't good enough. Yeah. I want, I want um, a real, uh, uh, a sense of affinity with my own life. Like I'm living the life that matters to me that I want to be living. Uh, I feel that's a part of it. And I do think grief has the potential to open that door, you know, to, um, to say, well, what have I got to lose? I'm a mess anyway.
2: Uh, (laughs) there you go maybe i I maybe i just you know
1: this isn't just (laughs) not too good or a little bit bad this is horrible (laughs) you know then people say well may as well try something different yes
2: oh my god i love that it's absolutely a beautiful a beautiful you know way to look at, at the grieving process. It's like fertile ground, right? (laughs) You know, when you, when you, you know, you're ripping across and like, you feel barren and there's nothing left, you know, and then, and then you start to say, well, what, there's really nothing to lose because at this point I feel like I've lost everything anyway, you know, let's see what, let's see what walking into a, you know, into a next, stage looks like. And, and that bringing that messiness with me rather than trying to keep it so beautiful and beautiful, perfect and all of this other stuff. So I think that's awesome that you just said that. Cause I, you know, once again, I never thought of it that way. I, you know, what do I have to lose at this point? I have so much more to gain. I think that when you're, it's kind of like, do you want to give up on yourself this early in the game when you know, truly know that it's, it's always too early to quit? It's always too early to quit, and maybe maybe you need to sit and have a rest for a bit, you know, so you can, you know, try to, you know, take care of yourself a little bit more and put the mask on you, the oxygen on you for. But once you do that and you you start to come back to life again, you're like, well, I've I've known that. (laughs) What what else is out there?
1: Well, also doing doing a pilgriming midge like you did, um, Santiago. With people who were much more fit than you, right, um, people who had much more preparation, um, it occurs to me that you had to accept yourself as human to do it at all. Okay, I'm probably going to get blisters. I'm probably going to be pretty unhappy at certain moments, but I'm, I want to do this. And that, that just struck me as um, a, a real sea change in your, your own viewpoint on your life. Yes.
2: I will say this. Anytime anyone wanted to tell me their Camino story, I cut them off. I don't want to hear it. I do not want to hear it. This is somehow calling to me. I need to experience this in my skin, through my ears, through my senses, everything. And you know what? I I have enough difficulties in my life.
1: I'm just um, just going to go and do it, right? That's where we have to leave it, but it's a great place to leave it. Thanks for being with me today. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. This
2: has been wonderful. Thank you so much.
1: And to find Meg Nacero, you can go to MegNacero.com. This has been Good Grief with Cheryl Jones. I look forward to being with you again next week for another meaningful conversation. Mm-hmm.